Good morning, church. Today's uh, reading comes from John 3, verses 1 to 15. Before we read, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. As your word is read out, may you open our hearts to receive them and help us to understand so that we may be equipped for every good work. Through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish, Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. This is the word of the Lord. All right, good morning, church. The Lord be with you. And to those who are joining us online, the Lord be with you too. Now, we thank God for the PA team to make it possible for me to preach to you uh, through Zoom uh, while you gather in person at the Bluestone Chapel. Now, Maylin and I want to thank all of you for your prayers and for your practical support during our time of isolation. Uh, your food supply was much appreciated. Now we still have residual symptoms after seven days, uh, but we should recover fully, thank God. Uh, and we will be back in person next Sunday. Now this morning, we continue with our study on John's Gospel. Uh, we are at chapter three. Now in chapter two, uh, we learn how the Apostle John introduced two events at the start of Jesus' ministry. Uh, to give us a hint of the life that Jesus promises to those who believe in him. Uh, we remember the wedding at Cana, uh, where Jesus turned water into wine. And that wedding at Cana demonstrates that Jesus has come to give us a life of joy, a joy that goes beyond this present world uh, into the world to come. 
And then there was the cleansing of the temple in Jerusalem. And that demonstrates to us that Jesus has also come to clean up the idolatry in our hearts so that we may worship God truly and we may worship God in reverence and in awe. And so the life Jesus has come to give us is a life of true joy and true worship of God. And you may ask, how can I have this life of true joy and true worship of God? Uh, this is what John will tell us in chapter 3. So in the passage read to us, John tells us about the encounter of Nicodemus with Jesus. Uh, in the conversation that follows, we will learn two things about the life of joy and worship that Jesus gives. One, it is a supernatural life. The life that Jesus gives is a supernatural life given by God through a new birth. And two, and this new birth happens when we put our faith in Jesus. So keep these two things in mind. It's a supernatural uh, life given by God through a new birth. And then this new birth happens when we put our faith in Jesus. So with these two things in mind, let's uh, look into the story. Now, if you have your Bible with you, uh, please turn to John chapter 3. The chapter begins with Nicodemus coming in the night to Jesus. Now, we are told that Nicodemus is a Pharisee and a member of the ruling council. Uh, that would make him like a member of parliament in our time. Now, there are postulations as to why Nicodemus would seek out Jesus in the night. One postulation is that Nicodemus does not want his colleagues uh, to know that he's meeting up with Jesus since Jesus has become a kind of anti-establishment figure. Uh, after what he, had, what he had done in the temple. But the most practical reason for Nicodemus to arrange a night meeting with Jesus is because he needed time, lots of time to talk with Jesus. So Nicodemus begins the conversation with an affirmation of Jesus. Addressing Jesus in verse 2, he says, um, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Now notice that Nicodemus used the plural pronoun, we, instead of I. So this suggests that he is speaking on behalf of some of his colleagues who are of the same opinion that Jesus must be sent from God. So Nicodemus and his colleagues have come to this conclusion because they have seen or they have heard about the miracles that Jesus has done. The first of which uh, was the changing of water into wine. Now notice that the Apostle John refers the miracles of Jesus as signs. Signs that point to something beyond the miracles themselves. So John wants us to know that the miracles of Jesus are not performed for their own sake. The miracles of Jesus are pointing to who Jesus is, that Jesus is accredited by God, and that Jesus has come to usher in the kingdom of God. 
So Nicodemus is therefore spot on. He's right on the money that when he says to Jesus, we know you are from God because of the miracles you have done. Now today, there are preachers who claim to be from God because they have the gift of miracles. Miracles of healing, miracles of turning ashes into gold dust, uh, miracles of leg lengthening, and so on. And so the question is, what, what can we say about their claim? Are they really from God? Well, we need to be discerning here, and we need to ask uh, questions, whether the things that these people do are real miracles from God, or are they trickeries of charlatans? But this is a discussion for another time. But where Nicodemus is concerned, Nicodemus knows that Jesus is not a charlatan. The miracles Jesus did were true miracles, and Nicodemus is therefore right to recognize Jesus as a man from God. Now, how does Nicodemus, uh, uh, how does Jesus respond to Nicodemus? Well, Jesus does not say, uh, thank you, Nicodemus, I'm glad you noticed. No. Uh, Jesus says, uh, replies in verse 3, uh, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now, what Jesus is telling Nicodemus is this. Now, Nicodemus, you are right to say, I come from God. And since I have come from God, I will tell you something, a new thing. There is a new and only way to enter the kingdom of God. Anyone who wants to enter heaven must be born again. Nicodemus, did you get that? Anyone who wants to go to heaven must be born again. Now Nicodemus is stunned by what he hears because he has never heard of the term born again. And he is surprised that born again is the new and only way to enter heaven. You see, Nicodemus has been taught like all Jews that the way to gain eternal life is to be a good Jew and keep the law of Moses. But now Jesus is coming and has come to say that it doesn't matter if you are a Jew. It doesn't matter if you are a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you have or have not followed the law of Moses. And Jesus is saying, what matters now is that you must be born again. And no one will enter heaven unless they are born again. So Nicodemus is not only surprised, but he is also unsure what born again means. And so with a bit of cynicism, uh, Nicodemus asks, how can a person re-enter his mother's womb and be born again? Well, Jesus is quick to explain and Jesus explains that being born again is, has nothing to do with the natural birth process. Instead, born again is a new work of God. And God works in three ways to bring about the new birth. First, 
God forgives our sins and gives us a new heart when we are born again. So look at verse 5. Verse 5 says, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. Now the idea of being born of water and the Spirit is taken from the Old Testament prophecy in the book of Ezekiel. Now Ezekiel, who lived about 600 years before Christ, uh, prophesied that one day in the future, God will cleanse his people of their sins. And God's Spirit will put a new heart in his people so that they will be able to faithfully obey God. And so born of water refers to the washing away of our sins, that is, the forgiveness of our sins. And born of spirit refers to the new heart that God the Spirit will give us. You see, our old heart is dead, and we are spiritually dead and unable to obey God. But with the new heart that God the Spirit will give, we are made alive again, spiritually alive to obey God. So unless our sins are forgiven and unless we have a new heart, we cannot enter the kingdom of God. And that is why Jesus equates born again with born of water and spirit. So when we are born again, God forgives our sins and God gives us a new heart. So that is the first way God will work through the new birth. The second way God works in the rebirth is this. The new birth is all of God's work. We play no part in being born again, just like we play no part in our natural birth. Look at verse 6. Verse 6 uh, reads, uh, Jesus says, Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. So what it means is that our natural birth, the flesh, our natural birth uh, gives us a human nature. And nothing in our human nature can contribute to bringing about the new birth. So no one can enter the kingdom of God on the basis of his natural birth. A Jew cannot claim entitlement to the kingdom of God just because he is a descendant of Abraham. A person cannot claim to be saved just because he was born into a Christian family. And even if you regularly go to church or you serve in church, you attend Bible study, uh, you may even be a pastor. All this does not automatically make you a Christian and get you to heaven. You see, whatever we do in our human nature is powerless to get us into heaven. We need the new birth from the Spirit. Nothing in our flesh qualifies us for heaven. 
We need the new birth. And because the new birth is spiritual and the new birth is supernatural, we cannot contribute to make it happen. The new birth has to come from God. It is the work of God alone. It is God, the Spirit, who brings about the new birth in us. Now, the third way God works in bringing about rebirth is by working inside our inner person, inside us, inside our heart, to change our heart's desires and to change the attitude of our mind. So, so there are no physical changes to your body when you are born again. You don't grow a sharper nose. You don't grow a double eyelid or a six-pack physique when you're born again. No. There are no physical changes. The changes are all spiritual inside you. And these changes become visible through your new lifestyle and through your new behavior. Look at verse 8. Verse 8 says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Now we can't see the wind, can we? But we can see the effects of the wind. So likewise, we cannot see the new birth but we can see the results of the new birth. The new birth will result in us losing our appetite for worldly pleasures and leisure. And we become hungry for the things of God, like reading the Bible and prayer. So the new birth will result in us becoming more godly. So there is no point calling yourself born-again Christian, if you still cling on to your selfish self, if you still cling on to your proud self, or if you still cling on to your greedy self. And if there is no desire to change at all, it is unlikely that you have been born again. And a sad irony is this. Many Christians think that they are born again when there is no change from their old sinful behavior. Born again means that there must be visible changes in your lifestyle. There must be visible changes in your behavior. Now, your family, your family and friends uh, would be the first people to notice the change in you. And the change can be dramatic, but more often it is gradual. And the change is not transient. It is lasting. Now, your family and friends may not understand what has gotten into you. They may think that you have gone crazy. But they can see that you are a different and a better person than before. This is what Jesus means when he says, being born again is like the wind blowing. You cannot see where the wind is coming from, but you can see the effects of the wind. You can see the effects of the new birth. 
Now, Jesus' explanation of the new birth is lost on Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus still does not understand what Jesus is talking about. You say Jesus, uh, Nicodemus has only known the way to heaven is through a person's good works. To him, salvation is our human work, not the sole work of God. So he cannot see how the new birth would qualify a person into the kingdom of God. He therefore asked Jesus in verse 9, How can this be? How can this be? So how does Jesus reply to Nicodemus' ignorance? Well, first, Jesus rebukes uh, Nicodemus. Jesus chides him, saying, You are Israel's teacher, and you do not understand that salvation is the work of God. Second, Jesus corrects Nicodemus' assessment of him. Nicodemus had earlier addressed Jesus as rabbi, but now Jesus identifies himself as the son of man. And Jesus says in verse 13, No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the son of man. Now we have previously learned uh, that the Son of Man is Jesus' preferred self-designated title. And the title has its origin in the book of uh, Daniel, uh, where Daniel saw a vision of the Son of Man as a heavenly being who has been given universal authority by God Almighty. So the Son of Man is Jesus' preferred um, title, and he, it means that uh, it's a heavenly being. So in using the title of the Son of Man, uh, Jesus wants Nicodemus to know that he is from heaven. And as a person from heaven, Jesus would have instructed Nicodemus on heavenly things. But Jesus could not. Why? Look at verse 12. I have spoken, Jesus saying to Nicodemus, I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? Now, the earthly things refer to the new requirement for entry into the kingdom of God. And since Nicodemus has difficulty believing this new requirement for entry into the kingdom of God, uh, Jesus would not tell Nicodemus uh, anything about heavenly things. Instead, Jesus would now answer Nicodemus' question uh, in verse 9, the Nicodemus' uh, question of verse 9, where Nicodemus asks, how can this be? How can the new birth enable a person to enter the kingdom of God. So now Jesus proceeds to answer Nicodemus' question. And Nicodemus, uh, and Jesus' answer is that it has to do with the bronze snake. 
the bronze snake. Okay, look at uh, verse 14 and 15. Verses 14 and 15. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Now, Jesus is taking us back to the Old Testament book of Numbers. Uh, in Numbers chapter 21, the well-known story of the bronze snake is recorded. And you may recall the story. After exiting Egypt, the Israelites have been wandering in the wilderness. And they begin to complain. They are tired of wandering. They would rather return to Egypt. And they are also tired of eating the manna God has given them. And so they are disgruntled with Moses and they are disgruntled with God. And so the Lord God sends a plague of poisonous snakes to punish the people and many die. And the people then repent. They ask Moses to plead with God to remove the snakes. And God then says to Moses, make a bronze snake and set it up on a pole high up on a pole. And if anyone gets bitten, they are to look up to the bronze snake and they would not die, but live. So likewise, today we are people suffering from the bite of a snake, the snake that was in the Garden of Eden. The poison from that snake is still coursing through our veins. We are rebellious people. We are sinful people. And we sin against God. And we will die unless we look up to the bronze snake. And Jesus says he is the bronze snake. He says that the Son of Man must be lifted up like the bronze snake referring to his death on the cross. On the cross, Jesus took the punishment our sin deserves, and he gives us his righteousness that we don't deserve. Jesus dies for our sin, and we live on account of his righteousness. And this is what happens when we look to Jesus in his death on the cross. Jesus says, everyone who believes may have eternal life in the Son of Man. So Jesus is equating born again with believing in him. So we therefore come back to the question we asked at the beginning. How do we receive the joy, uh, the life of joy and the life of true worship? Well, the answer is by putting our trust in Jesus. When you put your faith in Jesus, you are born again. You will receive the life of joy and the life of true worship. And you will enter the kingdom of God. But what does it mean to put your faith in Jesus? You may ask. Well, it means you do two things. One, 
It means that you are repentant of your sins. You are sorry for the way you have lived your life in rebellion against God, like the Israelites did、uh, in the wilderness. Now you know that you have made poor choices in following your own selfish desires. You re- you realize you need to change your behavior and your attitude, and so you turn away from your old lifestyle, your old habits, and you turn to Jesus. That is the second thing you do. You turn from your sinful ways and you turn to Jesus, and you come to Jesus for what He has done for you on the cross. Jesus died for you on the cross, or Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And when you acknowledge that, God will forgive your sins and give you a new heart. A new heart with a new desire to obey God, and in this way, you begin to bear the fruit of righteous and holy living. And when when you begin to bear the fruit of holy living, people will see the change in your character, the change in your lifestyle. But you're not surprised because you know you have been born again. You have looked at the bronze snake. You have looked at Jesus and believe in Him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us understanding of the meaning of born again through your Spirit. Cause our hearts to turn away from our old sinful ways, and turn our eyes to gaze upon Jesus, the Pioneer and Perfecter of our faith. We ask that you will strengthen us with your grace as we live the new life in joyful thanks to you. Grant us opportunities and grant us boldness to share this joy with our family and friends, so that they too may experience the new life in Christ Jesus. In His name, we pray. Amen.